Good morning. All right. If you have uh, your Bibles, please open them to uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 38 through 42 this morning. One wise man once said, Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. I love those words because they let us know that those of us who are on a journey of revenge will in the end inflict more pain and more hurt into their own life as well. So before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Are you on that type of journey this morning? Do you know of anyone who is on this type of journey? And if so, have you dug your two graves? yet. You see, it's part of our sinful nature to want to get even, to want revenge, but it's not part of a kingdom lifestyle. And this morning, Jesus has a word for us when it comes to revenge or retaliation or vengeance. So before you embark on a journey of revenge, let the words of Christ pierce and cut your revengeful soul. Let his words cut you so that you may be healed. Just as his words cut the original people he spoke to here in Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42. This message is part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for a while now. And in these verses, Jesus is doing the same thing we saw him do last week. Correcting the misunderstanding, the misinterpretation, and the misapplication of the Old Testament by the religious leaders of his day. We said he's showing us what a kingdom lifestyle looks like in a fallen world, but he's also showing us what he wants us to respond to, how he wants us to respond. He's presenting us as mutually broken people who are in need of repentance, who are in need of faith in him. And so if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone will sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. This is God's word. Even when it's hard to hear, let us pray. Father God, as we come to this part of your word, i got to confess, it was hard writing this because of what you're saying here and applying it to my own life. i got to say a lot of convicting was going on this week in my own heart because of these words. And so, Spirit, my, my prayer is that, that you will come, as I pray every week, that you will come and take these words, this truth, and apply it to my heart, and apply it to everyone's heart that is here. But we need you to move, we need you to open the eyes of our heart, Spirit. But we cannot do it ourselves, we need you to come and do it for us, so that we may see our God and be open to his word and what he has to say to us this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You see, Jesus, as we have seen in these last couple of sermons, he's almost like a skilled surgeon. 
as he continues to operate on these religious leaders and their views of the Bible. And in verse 38, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we know Jesus continued to use this repeated phrase here. And it represents the misunderstanding of these religious leaders in their terms of the Old Testament. And this morning, he's going to call them out for the misunderstanding of an Old Testament principle called just retribution, which is expressed in the phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This phrase is found in, in three Old Testament passages, in Exodus 21, in Leviticus 24, and Deuteronomy 19. And the intent of this principle is that it teaches that punishment must be just. It teaches us that it must it must be a punishment must suit the crime. And in the Old Testament, this principle of just retribution was handled by judges, public leaders, not individuals. See, the Lord gave guidelines and instructions on how to have a just society within Israel, in which there were consequences for crime, but people were never to take the law into their own hands through vengeance or revenge. It was supposed to be used in the court of law. Judges were supposed to apply this principle of just retribution. Deuteronomy 19 says, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God has given you, according to your tribes. And they say, Judge the people with righteous judgments. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise, and subverts the cause of righteousness. Justice, only justice, shall you follow, that you may live and inherit the land the Lord your God has given you. <coughs> this is the context of this phrase, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It was not giving for individuals to enforce in their own private life, but it was for judges, public leaders. Because the Lord did not want his people to resort to personal vengeance, retaliation against those in their personal relationships. But in Jesus' day, things were twisted. This principle of just retribution was, was now being used in their private lives. And once again, Jesus showed the people how far off they truly were from meeting God's high standard. Creating loopholes for their own convenience. As one Christian says, that these leaders have extended this principle outside the law courts to personal relationships, which is a place where it does not belong. Now look at your life, <coughs> your relationships. When people have wronged you, do you apply this principle? Do you think to yourself, hmm, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, I'm going to get even. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to get even. Payback is coming. Wait and see. You don't know when. I'm not going to tell you when. But when you least expect it, you're going to get it. Do you, in your relationships, are you embarking on a journey of revenge, vengeance? Do you ever feel like taking the law into your own hands? Because the system, keeps letting you down. Do you? And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're really honest with ourselves, then yes. We sometimes feel that way. We do. 
particularly if you have a, a bad neighbor, you're like, man, I want to get even. We at some level love vigilante justice. That's why we love movies like Batman. Because we love it. Or we, we see it in our own hearts. If we could, we would all be vigilantes if we knew we could get away with it. We love those movies. But Jesus is calling his disciples not to be vigilantes, not to be driven by a spirit of revenge and retaliation. He's calling us to something different. And if you're convicted this morning, don't forget what Jesus is doing here. He's not beating you up. He's, he's wanting to undo you to show you your need of repentance and save your faith in him. And through faith in him, you rest and you trust and depend upon him to empower you to do what he calls us to do in verse 39. So you can't do what he says in verse 39 if you don't know him. If you don't have a relationship with him. If you're not growing in him. If you don't have saving faith. Because everything he calls us to do flows out of that. Verse 39 says, but I say to you, but I say to you do not resist the one who is evil. This is Jesus boldly correcting their understanding of the Old Testament. He is showing them that this phrase, an eye for an eye, should not be applied personally. You should not use that principle in your relationship with other people when others have wronged you. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Resist means to oppose someone. It involves not only the attitude of your heart, but the behavior as well. Now, this phrase, do not resist evil, does not mean you turn a blind eye to injustice or crimes or evil. Jesus is not saying we should be doormats and just let evil go unchecked and unrestrained. If that was the case, he would be correct in the Old Testament because the Old Testament is filled with things that restrains evil. That's what the law was for. No, he's correcting the misunderstanding and misapplication of it by the religious leaders of the day. Do not resist the evil one means do not repay evil with evil. That's the point he's making. Do not repay evil with evil. In your personal dealings with other people, do not return evil with evil. Evil. What are we to return evil with? Good. Not with retaliation and revenge. Paul says in Romans 12, do not repay evil one who is evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you will weep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, good here doesn't mean you don't ever seek for justice legally. It means you don't seek for justice through personal vengeance and revenge and retaliation. You don't take the law into your own hands. You don't use the principle of an eye and for an hour, two for two in your personal dealings with other people. Instead, he calls us to something differently. And he gives us a few illustrations to show us what he means by not returning evil with evil. And these are only illustrations, not regulations. And they illustrate a principle. And that principle is learning to die to self. Learning to deny yourself. Learning to be, to have self-sacrifice. Basically, it's a call to love. Even those 
before you. The first illustration is seen in verse 39b. It says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And I was like, wow, thanks a lot, Jesus. You know, thanks. It's more for the kingdom, I guess. And the picture you have here is you getting backhanded by another person. They're just backhanded. And if, a, if you are backhanded by another person, I got to tell you, it's gonna, it's sometimes it's going to be hard for you not to retaliate. Or all the time, depends on your personality. Because the natural response is to, 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 to latch out and to seek revenge and to smack them back. But Jesus calls his disciples not to respond this way. He says, turn to them the other cheek as well. Don't retaliate. Don't seek revenge or vengeance. But self-sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Help us, God. <laughs> now, don't take this one verse to mean Jesus is calling us never to defend ourselves. Don't take it to mean that. You see, this illustration of being backhanded is more of an insult. Not someone coming to you assaulting you, which is a crime. A backhanded slap on the right cheek insults your pride, your feelings. If you're a man, it insults your manhood or your womanhood, your honor. Insults can be shots thrown at you through words, hurtful criticisms or name-calling. Someone can insult your character, your integrity. And how do you respond when you are insulted? If someone insults you as your role as a mom, how do you take that, mom, when your mother-in-law questions you, insults you in your house on Christmas Day. (laughs) How do you take that, mom? Mothers? Fathers? Father-in-laws? When they always have that helpful advice that's insulting, how do you take it? Do you turn the other cheek or do you go back at it with them? Jesus says to us, turn the other cheek. See, insults don't always come from enemies. They come from family members, too. Those that are close to us as well, which is hard to take, harder to take insults for them because of the relationship. Jesus said, do not return an insult with an insult. Instead, turn the other cheek. Jesus is calling us to take up our cross, to take the insults that will come our way. Let those insults be dirt off your shoulders for the kingdom. You have to. Don't retaliate. Don't seek to get even. It's like he wants us to be thick-skinned, not allowing insults to unravel us, whether it's a slap on the cheek or through insulting words. And you say, yeah, yeah, it is hard to do. It is. A few months ago, um, I saw Mark talking with an older gentleman, a young lady right outside our church here. And they were were here, but they they needed some assistance with something. And so I decided to walk over to meet them, and, and Mark introduced me. He said, hey, this is my friend Alex. He's the pastor of the church. So I greeted the older man, shook his hand, and then I extended my hand to the young lady. She refused to shake my hand. She actually moved away from me. Her reason was that she was skeptical, skeptical of men. How do you think I responded to that? I pulled my hand back. I was insulted, yes, because she didn't shake my hand because I was black. That's why. Did I latch out? 
Did I refuse to help them? I took it. Dirt off my shoulder. For the king. That's what I'm talking about. There are going to be times in your life where you're going to be insulted because of who you are as a Christian, even maybe because of your race, or because of the principles you stand upon. And sometimes you're just going to have to take it for the kingdom. Because you latching out could do more damage for the kingdom than good. That's what he's calling us to do. Don't respond. Don't return insults with insults, but with good. We don't do this. I'm lost where I am. We don't do this just with insults. But Jesus calls us to do this when we also have been wronged by other people. And this is what he communicates to us in verse 40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him also have your cloak as well. With this illustration, we have a picture of someone being sued for a garment that, a tunic was something that was an inner garment in Jesus' day. And the robe was the outer garment. And under the Jewish law, you could not sue for the outer garment without you personally use that as a clothing. But Jesus says, if we are sued, Give him both items as well. <coughs> what is he calling us to here? Is he calling us to just give away everything we have? Does he want his disciples to deny themselves to the point where they have no clothes? To the point where they can't even provide and take care of their own families or their own financial responsibilities? Is this the point he's making here? Some people think it is. Let me give you an example. There's a guy that I see at Starbucks, you know, on a regular basis. And I see him almost every time I'm there. And one day we got into this, this real good conversation. You know, he shared with me a problem he was going through. A few years ago, he was in a car accident. And he hit a lady from behind. He was at fault. <coughs> and he did all the things he was supposed to do. He and the other person called the police. They changed insurance information. And to his knowledge, everything was taken care of. His insurance company had taken care of the lady, paid for her medical expenses, paid for the car, to my knowledge. But later on, he got a letter in the mail saying he was being sued by this lady for damages he suffered in the car accident. This guy's a believer. And so my question, what does Jesus want him to do? Let the lady sue him? Take everything from him? Is that the point Jesus is making? That, should that have been my advice to this brother? Man, just let us sue you. Don't fight it. That's what Jesus calls us to here. The answer is no. As one pastor in Jackson, Mississippi says, the point is to, he, Jesus' point here is that he wants to detect in us an attitude of, of, of demanding our rights. Is it, we are quick to, to press our interests on others. He says, are you willing to forbear and forego our own rights for the sake of the king? That's what Jesus, the point Jesus is making here. Because in this life, you're going to be wronged by other people, either accidentally or intentionally. You're going to be wrong. And in some form or fashion, people are going to make false accusations against you. And you don't do that in return to them. Sometimes you're just going to have to take it. You will. Again, that's another way you can let it be dirt off your shoulders for the kingdom. Stand high on truth, but don't stoop low and return evil with evil. You're going to have neighbors, or people, or coworkers who wrong you. And what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Are you going to seek to get even? 
Or are you going to let it be dirt off your shoulders, Brother Ken? We're not talking about crimes here. Jesus is talking about things that just personally you just don't like. Things that people do to irritate you. How are you going to handle those situations? Or are you going to play dirty? Like we do around this year, election year. Dirty politics, they say. You're going to be wronged by people. Loved ones, church family members. And how are you going to deal? How are you going to deal when it's all said and done? Let it be dirt off your shoulders. In the next two illustrations, Jesus gives us a picture of being used or taken advantage of by someone. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. This first illustration alludes to a common practice in Jesus' day. You see, under the Roman law, Roman soldiers had the right to force people to assist them to carry their equipment for a thousand paces. How would you like to live in Jewish time then? And there was nothing you could do about it. You had to take it because it was the law. And you can imagine what it felt like if you were picked to do that service. It was humiliating. You felt used, you felt taken advantage of, and you can't do anything about it. And yet Jesus says, after you go one mile, I want you to freely give them one more mile. And once again, you're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? One more mile? Again, he illustrates self the principle of self-sacrifice. Willing to go the extra mile for someone who cares very little for you. And you look at that, you say, yeah, it's hard to do. And you can't do it apart from the spirit moving in you. It's a willingness to lay down your rights for the kingdom. There are going to be times when you are used by other people. Do you believe that? Where people impose upon your rights. A boss who's going to make unreasonable demands upon you. A co-worker who's going to take credit for something you did. And how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to deal with it? Or even a friend who asked you to come over to help move furniture and they don't do no work. <laughs> how are you going to deal with it? They sit and watch you work. How are you going to deal? When others use you or take advantage of you, don't seek revenge. Don't plan to retaliate, but respond to them with good. Go to second mile. Go to second mile. The final illustration, he says, give to the one who begs of you. Do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. Here he wants us to have a given generous heart partnered with wisdom and discernment. We're not to give to the point where people become codependent, but we give expecting nothing in return. That's what he's talking about. Give to the one who asks of you. Don't refuse the one who are borrowed from you. Now here's the reality check. When you have a generous heart, you're going to get kind. You realize that? You're going to get tricked. Now I've been tricked so many times I can't even name them. But the temptation is that you can let those cons and traits harden your heart toward helping those in need. And so Jesus says, give to the one who begs of you. Do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. And so you, the temptation, what you have to pray for, that Jesus, don't let those conning moments harden my heart to the place where I refuse to help someone who genuinely has a need. Because if you're not careful, you can let those things do that to you. And it will happen. And so you pray that it will not happen. You hear these words from Jesus and you think to yourself, 
How in the world can I live this way? Enduring insults, going the second mile, being good to people who wrong me, take advantage of me, and use me, isn't even possible. Is it even possible? Jesus, you're calling me to do something that is totally impossible. I, I, I don't want to turn the other cheek. Let's be honest about it. We don't. Jesus, didn't you see how insulting his words were to me? Her, her actions toward me? And yet you want me to turn the other cheek? Don't you see how this person has wronged me, used me, taken advantage of me? Jesus, I gave that person money and look what he did with it. He went to the game. I'm done. I can't live like this. It's hard. And this is what Jesus says to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. See you turning the other cheek. See you enduring wrongs. Seeing you going the extra mile. Seeing you continue to have a generous heart even though you've been kind many times. Let them see these good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Amen. You see, as we come to this table, find my page. You know, if you are a believer, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. So that you might, so that by his poverty you might become rich. He himself was insulted, was wrong, was used, and yet was very generous. He never returned evil suffered with evil, but instead he returned it with his very life upon the cross. He gave his life for those who were his enemies, which you and I were before we came to know him. He gave his life for his enemies in order to turn enemies into sons and daughters. Oh, I love the good news of the gospel. That's the gospel. This table here, this shepherd here, is a visible reminder of that good news. Enemies been turned into sons and daughters because of the cross. This is his table. And he says, as often as you eat this bread and, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. And so this table is open to all of his sons and daughters who actively trust in him, who are willing to forsake their sins, who are members of a congregation that preach the gospel. This table is for you. 
Now, there is a warning that Paul gives us. He says, whoever eats this bread and drink this cup in the Lord in an unworthy matter is guilty concerning the body and blood of Christ. So let everyone examine themselves before they eat and drink. So we're going to have a time in which uh, we can examine our hearts and ask the Spirit to speak to us. So let's go to the Lord now.